From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 101. Today's show is brought to you by Hover, Mac Weldon, and Eero. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Jason Snell. It's a binary episode. 101. Computers can understand us. Robots will understand this episode. Do you have any idea what that means for a computer, 101? What that sequence means? Uh, I, no, I don't speak You don't binary. speak computer? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I'm, I'm looking it up now. I'm Googling binary. No, well, it depends on impossible. what the thing is. I mean, you know, it's, it's a one and a zero and a one. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on what you translate that into, yeah. I don't understand these things. John Syracuse, if he's out there, is very upset at me right now, I'm sure. Hexadecimal, and no, it's just binary. Anyway, 101, it's also an introductory class at your uh, at your undergraduate uh, college or university. It's mm-hmm. uh, Upgrade 101. Welcome. This is the first uh, in a series of courses about upgrading. Uh, next semester will be Upgrade 102, where we will uh, Downgrade. do more upgrading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Well... Spoilers for Upgrade 102. And uh, it's also, you were pointing out right before we started, it's also, <laughs> George Orwell reminds us, this is where you put the bad things mm-hmm. in Episode Room 101. 101. <laughs> so you can make uh, up your own mind, dear listeners, yeah. whether this is an introductory course or where we put all the bad things for the week. Or if you're a robot, beep, boop, beep. Uh, I want to start off today's episode with a little bit of follow-up and a clarification on something that I spoke about last week uh, when we were talking about TV stuff. I referenced an article that I'd seen, some headlines that I'd seen about Dr. Dre, that he was arrested. A few listeners wrote into me to let me know that the headlines that I had seen and the articles that I had seen were kind of widely misreported, and I've been sent in some other stuff. I'm going to include a link in the show notes to the New York Daily News. Um, and basically, I want to give a quick rundown as to what happened. So there was some the stories that have been put out from The Hollywood Reporter and stuff had said that Dre had been arrested for having a gun outside. But it turns out that this all was kind of false, and it was all of these stories were predicated on the account that the accuser gave, as opposed to using any of the facts from the police reports. So this guy who made these accusations against Dre had blocked his car, his driveway with his car, and Dre asked him to move the car, and then called the police after the guy started acting aggressively. This guy then started shouting that Dre was reaching for a gun when he was taking his phone out of his pocket, um, and then was videoing the guy as he was kind of acting quite aggressively. The police came, they cuffed Dre because he was accused of having a gun. They spoke to him, they searched him, everything was fine. He wasn't arrested, he was let on his way. The story was totally bogus, and I was suckered in, and I've learned a lesson about repeating headlines. There you go. Okay. I just wanted to follow up because uh, it was so no, wrong good. and it was so bad for me to just say it uh, that I wanted to, to follow up because it was just flatly incorrect. Well done. So noted. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So let's uh, let's go move on with our follow-up this week. We'll put that one in Room 101. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. That's a, that's a really good idea. That's, part, that's the Room 101 part of the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some things. This is actually part of the lesson section. Getting images from messages on iOS. Eddie wrote in in Ask Upgrade last week to find out if we knew any way to export the messages uh, for the images and the media from inside the messages app without doing it one at a time, so opening it and saving it to the camera roll. I have a bunch of solutions here, Jason. So buckle up. Tobias was one of the many people who recommended that on iOS, you can tap and hold on a picture when you're in the details screen of a message, when you click into the contact. 
and it shows you all of the media in that kind of in that view. Yeah. Uh, if you tap and hold on that, it gives you the ability to select multiple ones. You can click more, and it lets you select multiple, and then export them all. But this is still a little manual, right? You're still tapping everything to get them out. Um, right. Ryan wrote in. Uh, and he has written a terminal command to let you get these images from messages on the Mac. So you can throw this terminal command in and it will make a folder on your desktop and you can do that. Um, Ryan is a good guy, but hey, terminal commands, I don't know what I'm doing. So I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't do this one, but it's there. It's going to be in the show notes if you want to get it. It's in there. Uh, so that's one option. We have another one from Scott. And Scott, I like this one. Scott recommends go into your home directory in Finder, uh, click View Options, and click Show Library. So you see the library folder. Then you can create a new smart folder and point it at home directory slash library slash messages slash attachments. Oh my God, Jason. Yeah, you have to click. Can you, can you just do this one? Because you obviously understand it inherently more than I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, is the, this is the Mac. This, you you got to be logged into your Mac and have these things. This is the, that's the challenge, though, because mm-hmm. um, this is stuff that's on your Mac. But you, you can make a new smart folder, right? So I would say the best thing to do this is to do... Um, Go uh, from the from the go menu. You go go to folder, or that's Command Shift G, and then you type the little tilde symbol, which is for the home directory slash library slash messages slash attachments, and then boom, you've got the attachments folder open there. So then you then you do file new smart folder. Um, it says search, and it's got this Mac highlighted. You click on attachments instead, and then you do you click the plus icon that's in the right corner. This is why we do screenshots, Mike. Uh-huh. You click the plus. This is <laughs> screenshot via podcast. Not the most efficient format. Uh, you click the plus icon, and it gives you a little filter uh, drop down that by default is like name matches something, but you can change that to be kind. And then once you change it to kind, it, it changes to kind is, and there's a bunch of kind options. One of which is image. And then at that point, you've got kind as image all is what comes up. You now have a smart folder that is all of the images in your attachments folder and all its subfolders. And if you save that uh, as a new smart folder um, called, like, let's say, message attachments, then it'll show up in your in the sidebar of your dock. And now you've got a folder with, in my case, 835 different media items that are all images saved by messages out into this uh, this subfolder, so it works. And in theory, though, that would be everything, right? Because yep. it downloads the whole thing. So that's a way in to do it on the Mac. Theory. In theory, um, in theory, the Mac. Anybody who uses a Mac and an iOS device has had that situation where some of the stuff just doesn't come to some of the devices, and it's a little bit inexplicable. Still happens. My wife, my wife had one the other day that was amazing because she got texts on her Apple Watch that didn't come to her iPhone. Yeah, I've had that. How and how is that possible? Because know. they come from the iPhone to the Apple Watch, and yet the iPhone's like, I, "Look, I know I showed you a picture on the Apple Watch, but I have no idea what you're talking about." And it just doesn't. Uh, yeah, it's baffling. So uh, anyway, theoretically, if you've got a Mac and you leave it on enough that it is syncing with the iMessage service, you could pull all your images out that way. So there you go. There's there's some insane instructions to follow on a podcast, but we did it anyway. And finally, Ken recommends iExplorer. Um, Apparently, it can back up all your messages to text, HTML, and PDF, um, like PhoneView can. But it can also back up attachments or photos only. And I'll put a link to iExplorer 
in the chat room. Thank you so much to everybody who sent in some suggestions for this um, and made for some just slightly peculiar follow-up uh, for this week's show. Mark had some uh, follow-up about Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Khan! That one. Yep. Uh, apparently Montalban's chest was real. He was just built strongly. That's what they say. I've always assumed that, but uh, you you made me question myself when you said, "Come on, that, that's not." But yeah, never apparently. question the Montalban. No, never doubt and him. We were talking about the computer graphics for Genesis, the Genesis program, and they were showing like the computer imagery. Pixar created these, and as soon as Mark said this, I remember this from Creativity Inc. I'm pretty sure Campbell uh, yeah. mentions this in Creativity Inc., but I just hadn't put yep. two and two together. Yeah, and that that is like I said, that was um. That was the uh, first lengthy, entirely computer-generated sequence mm-hmm. in a movie. I think that was not even Pixar at that point. They may still have just been the graphics group at Lucasfilm yeah. um, when they made it, but it is that it is that group. It is what became Pixar when it spun out. And Yeah, for, for all intents and purposes, it's Pixar. Yeah. Now, this isn't really follow-up as such, but it's something that, I mean, I at least don't have very much to say about this at all, but I feel like it must be mentioned. This morning as we record this, which is the 8th of August 2016, uh, Fast Company published two articles slash interviews with Apple personnel and executives. Mm-hmm. Um, the f- there's first one, and it, they're written by uh, Rick Tetzeli who I believe was one of the people responsible for the Becoming Steve Jobs book. Yep. The the first one kind of focuses on Tim Cook's Apple and talking about kind of where they've been and how successful they are and talking about the dips and what could cause that and how amazing services is going to be. But there's kind of, at least for me, absolutely zero information in this article. Uh, it just reads like an afterword of the Steve Jobs book. <laughs> than anything else and as soon as i saw him mention that he wrote that book i was like that's why it sounds like this it's just a story and it doesn't really it's all it's doing is just summing things up there's no information the apple executives were not needed in this story i mean i don't know how you feel about it but for me the uh the second article the interview with uh, bazama st john who was uh the lady who did the fantastic presentation of apple music at wwdc her article is more interesting to me it Equally doesn't really reveal anything, but it's got more flair to it because it's an interview, and I love the way she talks. It really puts a smile on my face. I found that more enjoyable. Um, I don't know what you think. I just feel like, great, these exist, but there's not really any substance to them. Yeah, it's um, who knows. I don't. I, you know, I'm not privy to all the background here, but it, it definitely reads, reads like uh, Fast Company pitched a cover story about Apple, and they were given some access, uh, including uh, uh, what appears like a fairly brief chat with Tim Cook and some co- a conversation with Eddie Q and a conversation with. Uh, it looks like a conversation with Eddie Q and Craig Federighi. The way it's portrayed in the story is sort of like they talk. They're talking to Eddie, and then Craig walks up and joins them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got, as a reporter, I think about it as you've got this limited amount of access, but it's very special access. And you got to go to Apple for the day. And you use that and kind of weave that all together into a story that is also about people doubting Apple and people not doubting Apple. <laughs> and uh, there's some context in it that I appreciated. I really liked the fact that um, when they said you know, people were complaining 
about Apple not being as great as they were during that uh, during that run of the iPod, iPhone, and iPad. That uh, the way that he phrased it was the perception of that time, and then later he talked about how uh, people tend to forget the failures and he the g the g4 cube comes up the circular mouse comes up the rocker the the rocker comes up right and, and, and so i appreciated that because a lot of these stories um are written by people who don't get don't understand the history of apple and fall into those same old traps of um you know saying it's it's the litany we can read it all right it's the steve jobs was great uh he wouldn't this would never have happened if steve jobs were still alive that always comes up uh he had a perfect record now everything is terrible and when you take a step back you're like no actually he didn't have a perfect record everything is not terrible apple's doing really really well the uh performance in 2015 was an outlier and apple is paying for that now but their their uh, fundamentals seem pretty good because they're up from 2014 which means they're still uh the overall track is is still upward it just uh it had they just had a really really great year that they couldn't match and that that's not proof that they're on the way down in fact they seem to not be on the way down um and uh and he makes a lot of those points but i just feel like a lot of this could be written without the need to include the executives that's the power of access right is they got special access to tim cook and eddie q and Craig Federighi, and you want to show it off, and you've got photo, and, and you got yeah. you got uh, uh, Basima, and and uh, you got a photo shoot with her, and you've got so you've got pictures, and you've got access, and and you want to do a, the other thing is you want to do a cover story, and you don't know what you're going to get, but whatever you get, you're going to make it into a cover story. And <laughs> it so, also, the very best photo of Craig Federighi ever taken is exists in this article, where he is completely blue stealing it. Yeah. He, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you can see it in the storytelling too that um there's a lot of context <laughs> that's not like you said it's not actually incumbent on any of the interviews it's just context being added by the the writer who knows about this subject matter and they weave the the quotes in from the the executives but they don't say a lot they say some things there's some nice bits in there but but i definitely got the sense from a trade per, trade perspective as a journalist i look at it and think you know i see what you're doing here you are trying mm-hmm. very hard to build this whole structure around uh, not a lot of great original stuff but you got a little nugget of access and some direct quotes from people who don't always give direct quotes to the press and so you know but it's always a bit of a a red flag when when a story starts out and it gives you detail about um you know the atmosphere and what people are wearing and the smell of the food um not that that can't be evocative um, but it also can be a red flag that that's all that they've got. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's yeah. like, well, we don't have, cause it, cause if it was like Tim Cook opens his heart about how difficult it's been to follow Steve Jobs and how he questions every day, whether he's making the right decisions. And then, and then Eddie Q says, well, he, and he says a little bit of this is like, I believe in, I believe in Tim. I have the same sort of thing from Tim that I got from Steve. I mean, if they got stuff like that, you know how this story would go, but they didn't really get that. So instead it's like Eddie Q wears, wears wacky clothes and uh we're outside in the sun in california smelling the food from cafe mac and he has some stuff to say about sports teams yeah you oh yeah and they talk about the warriors a lot which i also found weird because it dates the story that these interviews are not like interviews done in the last couple of weeks they're interviews that were done when the nba playoffs had ended so that's like uh what is that that's that's like a month ago now i think so you know it's uh it's it's fine i I think kudos to them uh we you know i 
I interviewed Steve Jobs for Macworld one time, and it took us a year to get him on the phone for five minutes. So I appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that they got this access, and that they uh, and that and that um, I kind of like the Eddie Q thing was was kind of interesting what he, when he talked about Tim and that you know that he feels like although Tim is a different very different person from Steve, he still feels like that same kind of you know expectation that uh, that was that was Eddie right that it's like yeah. Yeah, he also said about he yeah. do, he's not basically not as scared, which was a weird line that they included. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's interesting. And Craig Federighi drops in. Um, they they mentioned Scott Forstall. They mentioned maps. Actually, that's the thing that I wanted to mention about this article that I thought was really good. Yeah, the maps thing is good. It's it's a piece of information. Because that that's a good example of like we screwed this up and why we screwed it up and that and, and that um and it's what we've all thought and what I I still tell people to this day which is one of the great problems with maps and judging maps is you have to judge it about the information where you live and uh, I live in California I live in the Bay Area the Apple Maps because people will will say what you still use Apple Maps I can't believe that why would you do that and it's like well it's good to live very close to Apple because the maps here. Are really good. The flip side of that is, people and Eddie Q said that is driving around Cupertino, everything looks great. All the map data looks great. There's no problem there. And then they realized um, too late that the rest of the world, the map data was terrible. But they didn't. They didn't know it. Uh, there was this implication there too that um, that uh, and and I, they blame they blame a lot of it on Scott Forstall. But I think it was more than that. I think it's also. Um, something that's inside apple that apple is so used to having these small teams they mentioned that that um that apple has like double the employees it had when steve jobs was the ceo since tim cook has been there um and i think the maps was a good example of that where apple tried to do maps with a with what they said was like a couple dozen people they tried to redo maps with a very small group and what they what they say anyway is huh, you can't do that right <laughs> like they, they don't say that uh, that maps doing maps on their own and not using google was a mistake because they felt like and i think it's been proven it's a key part of what they do they want that technology they want to be able to control it the problem was they launched it too soon and they thought they could get away with a very small effort to do it and it turns out it actually is a, an enormous effort because you're mapping the entire world and everything in it and now they apparently have a huge group of people like they said more, like more than a thousand people now work on maps so that's an interesting little tidbit that that they thought they could get away with 50 people or whatever and turned out that they were you know they were way way off on the the, the level of the job that was going to be required and they you know then they learned their lesson but what was really interesting about it is that eddie q then turned it around and said that's why we do public betas now mm-hmm. and, and and i thought that was an interesting bit of insight that i hadn't really thought of before which is Apple getting burned by having two insular uh, community testing their stuff, which was inside Apple and then uh, developers. And they felt like this, somebody made the argument that, you know, how we get around this is we open the doors and, and they're not opening the doors before they announce publicly things because they can't do that but they can certainly in this beta period let it out there to people who want to try it so that if somebody in uh let's say slovenia hi Andrzej tomic uh <laughs> tries out ios beta and goes um oh this thing in slovenia is totally broken now um somebody at apple can actually hear that instead of them shipping it saying it works great in california and then the entire nation of slovenia <laughs> saying no it's it's destroyed us so that's good that's a good thing 
Presumably St. John's article was interesting as well. The, the, the big kind of crux of it was algorithm versus human curation. Yeah. And she really put a lot of emphasis on the way that Apple uses the human creation, how important it was. But I wanted to see if you could clarify something for me. Aren't Apple bringing algorithmic mixes to Apple Music with iOS 10? Like they spoke about doing daily mixes and stuff like that. And they're surely not picked by humans. Right. I, I would imagine that it's a mixture of them. I don't know that. Mm. I don't know that for sure. But I, um. I mean, they could. <laughs> they could. It seems like you would want a mixture of algorithm and yeah. people. Um, and that if you want to personalize things... They're really doubling down on the human thing, especially in this article, yeah. right? And she's she's the head of marketing, so that's their thing. And kind of a lot of it is, you know, she's talking about how much people love the human curation, which I get and I understand it, but... I love it. I mean, I, you, I mean can't, I, I, you can't fight against Spotify, though, right? Like, in saying that... People love what Spotify does. People love Spotify's yeah. Discover Weekly, and none of that is human curated. So, yeah, how do you differentiate yourself when you're behind your competition? Is mm-hmm. you point out what's different, which is we've got the human curation, and that's great. Which is great. They they probably right. It would be wise for them to also be pushing hard on algorithms, but they're not ahead on algorithms now, or even close. So they're going to push on where they feel they are ahead, yep. which is which is the human curation, which is fine. That that was a nice uh, interview. That's Mark's. That's uh, Mark Sullivan, who used to. Uh, be my colleague at uh he was a pc world editor for a long time and uh it was nice uh she's an interesting uh she's an interesting character and he he asked he asked her like why haven't we seen you before and she's like you know i've only been here a couple years give it time (laughs) (laughs) and that was really funny it was almost like i will take over the world but uh patience patience i loved it it was a perfect (laughs) answer and i can imagine it came so quickly right like just immediately well i've only been here for two years yeah i'm gonna be the ceo which problem yeah. I think she's fantastic, and yeah. I'm, I'm pleased they're giving her more spotlight. And I think uh-huh. I think this is an example of a, of a change in Apple, which I think is good. Um, they knew this interview was going to go out there. They knew it was going to be focused on the three white main guys. So they asked or kind of said, we also want you to interview St. John as well. Yeah, And I think this is something that we're starting to see a little bit more of, which, which I like. They're trying to balance it out. Um, that's that's my perception of it. Is that they're they're, <laughs> yeah. they're they're aware of what they're doing and they're trying to balance it, which is the right thing to do. They're try they're trying. I mean, I'm not quite sure how an interview centered on three uh, three white guys, uh, two two of them with gray hair. Uh, I say that as a white guy with gray hair um, uh, is balanced out by a, a little interview sidebar. Well, okay. with a it's black not woman. completely equal, but, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, well, I think I, I think what it shows is that Apple understands that this is a an issue that they need to deal with uh, and a perception that they need to approach, and they're 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 aware of that in a way that they weren't before. There's mm-hmm. more. There's more. They probably have to do on that front, but they're well, they're they're aware of the perception and trying to and being a, a PR person, right? It's all about how you manage that perception, and so now she's uh, more visible, and she's in this article, and that's. Uh, and that's good because I think uh, everybody's reaction to her has been really positive. So mm-hmm. th- it's smart for them to get her out there more and talk about Apple Music, which is also a key thing, right? I think I think a little more of her, and I should say, um, I, I should also specify, uh, Eddie Q is is Cuban, so he's not just a, a totally generic uh, white. Uh, Anglo guy, yep. but uh, but still more more diversity inside Apple is important. They have their diversity ratings, which came out lately, which shows again they show progress, but it's not particularly fast progress, uh, but it's progress. So this is all part of uh, you know first step is actually being aware that there's something that you need to care about 
and they they seem to be at that point uh, and are trying to make change. And then people can can criticize the pace of that change, I think, fairly. So next week, it is Relay FM's second, third? How many years? Second? Second. Second, thank you. I know, it seems like five, but it's two. <laughs> it's Relay FM's second birthday uh, next week. So I'm going to Memphis, and you're going to come to Memphis for a couple of days, so we're going to record the show in person in Memphis. And if you are in that area, uh, we're going to be having a meetup on Tuesday, August the 16th. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a Facebook event page. If you want to come, please uh, kind of RSVP at that page. Uh, as a, It is at a brewery, so it will be 21 plus, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be hanging out. We've heard from some of our younger people that are sad that it's there, but we had to do it somewhere, and uh, that's what we chose, and there yep. will be beer. But yeah, we'll be recording live and in person next Tuesday as well. I'm looking forward. So so yes, if you're expecting our episodes to be released on the Monday, as they usually are, it will be delayed a little bit. Because I'm traveling. Yeah, we we are both uh, flying in and uh, get in sort of, we're both in the air, in fact, when when we're normally recording this. But we will catch up and do it on Tuesday in person with Mr. Stephen Hackett. Yep. And that that should be a lot of fun. Now, you are also not... Uh, you're you're traveling home and will not be available the following week. That's true. So we'll have a uh, very special guest for that episode too, which is uh, it's all scheduled with me and Merlin Mann. So hopefully Merlin will be back to chat some more. I'm excited. I really enjoyed the last one that you guys did when I was in New York. I'm actually going to be in New York again. It seems like every time I go to New York, you have Merlin on the show. Yeah, that's all part of the grand plan. It's how the universe keeps in balance. This week's episode is brought to you by a new sponsor, um, an upgrade, and that is Eero. Now, you may have heard of Eero, but let me paint a picture for you, dear listener. If you think about everything in your home these days, it basically all requires an internet connection, and that is only growing. You know, we have our phones and our iPads and our computers and our games consoles, but now speakers, thermostats, light bulbs, front door locks, security cameras, everything needs an internet connection as we move further and further towards this connected home idea. We are increasingly as well using streaming services. Netflix, Hulu, Spotify, these are all used for our home entertainment. The foundation of all of this technology is Wi-Fi. We are completely dependent on it, but for many people, it is broken. So I want to paint a picture for you to try and highlight the importance of good Wi-Fi coverage. Imagine if you went upstairs and you went to your bedroom and you plugged a your iPhone charger into a wall socket and you plugged your phone in and you got a little pop-up on your phone and it said, no, the uh, electricity connection is bad in this part of the house, so we cannot charge your phone. This is a ridiculous sounding thing, but this is what Wi-Fi is like. There are those corners of our homes that are dead zones or have terrible connection, have terrible coverage. We don't want to deal with this. This is why you need Eero. To get the best connection these days, you need a distributed system that can provide you with connection all over your home. Mm. This has previously been super expensive to do, but this is what Eero is all about. You can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. It isn't just an extender. Each Eero has two radios inside. It keeps your connection fast. It's chaining them all together and keeps everything in sync all on one network name. You don't have multiple networks in your home that you have to connect to. It's just one name. You simply download the Eero app on your iOS or Android device. It will walk you through each step of the process. It's quick, easy, and painless. You then have mm-hmm. the ability to manage your network from the palm of your hand. You'll know how many devices are connected. You can give priority to stuff. You know your internet speeds, uh, all of the points. It's absolutely 
Awesome. Now, Jason, I know that you have an Eero. Uh, how easy was it for you to set up? I set it up last week, and it was... My house isn't particularly large, but we have some uh, connection issues where I've I've had, uh, I've had challenges finding the right setup in order to get Wi-Fi coverage in the whole house through walls and in the backyard and things like that. And uh, the package I got was the three-pack. Um, although if you have a small house like mine, I probably could have just done with a two pack, but I did set up the three pack and, uh, it was, uh, super easy as you described it. You, you know, you really, you get, you go to the app and you set it up and then you plug in the first device and it, uh, you know, it gets on the internet and it walks you through it very easily. And then, and, and that's, you know, that's a pretty standard Wi-Fi experience on that first device. Um, although it was, it was easy. There were no complications. And I think that if you're using Apple hardware, um, you get spoiled if you use non-Apple hardware, it's not that easy to get it set up. But this was like an Apple level, I would say. Very, very simple to set up. And then the second one, you know, you plug it in and say, okay, here's another one. And it says, okay, uh, let me check. Okay, it looks good. All right, we're set up. And, like, <laughs> and at that point, and then the third one was the same. And I actually, it's flexible enough and it, it, the system is smart enough that I actually had one place where I wanted to put one where there was an Ethernet plug. So I plugged it into Ethernet there. And so it get, it, it knows that it's on Ethernet and that it, it doesn't need to extend using its own wireless mesh network at that point. It could actually just use the, the Ethernet to get even more stability. But the third one I had has no Ethernet and it's just floating around and... Um, it uh, and the same deal, right? It's like it looks around, it finds the other arrows, goes, "All right, I'm connected." And at that point, I just have one network. I've already set up what the SSID is. I when I change the SSID, it changes it everywhere automatically. It all just sort of happens. And I've tried to have multiple um, base stations in various places in in all sorts of different combinations, and it was complicated and felt unreliable and that's the thing that i think that the 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 eero system is doing really well is um it's kind of hiding all of that it's designed to have multiple stations that's built in it's not like a weird afterthought and uh and yeah and so the the result was incredibly simple and now i have uh this solid uh wi-fi signal throughout my my home all the way up here into the garage all the way into the back bedroom and out into the if i'm laying on the hammock uh reading off my ipad it's clear there too so you mentioned like it just being easy and that stuff. One of the other things that Eero does is they have uh, their updates that happen to the system. It happens overnight, like when you're not using it, it detects yep. when you're not using it. And you get stuff like their new parental control feature, which lets you create profiles for your family members and manage all of their internet access. And they do security updates. This All of this weight, this is not your normal router. As Jason right. mentioned, he has a, a three-pack. This is a good starting point for most homes. Uh, most homes can be covered between two or three Eros in the US. But they, they suggest get three, and they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can always just send one of them back and get your huh. money back for that one as well. Um, you can add up to 10 in total if you live in some kind of mansion house, I guess. Uh, if you want to find out more about the Eero and get one for yourself, just go to Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O dot com. And I know that as you're listening to this, you want it straight away. Well, as a listener of this show, you can get free overnight shipping. Just select the overnight shipping option when you get to checkout, enter the code UPGRADE, and you will get free overnight shipping at Eero.com. Thank you so much to Eero for supporting this show and Relay FM. It's a cool company, cool product. Yeah. Talking about something cool, I wanted to very briefly give a mini review of Pocket Cast 6. Um, I've been playing around with it a little bit. It came out uh, a week or so ago, 
And I thought that it would be good to kind of mention it because Pocket Cast is so it's six revision now and they've added quite a few new features, uh, which I like and I wanted to give a, a little bit of love to that. So they have a dark mode now as well as an overall design refresh of the application. And I absolutely love the way that Pocket Cast looks. Um, one of my favorite places for this application, like from a design perspective, is their directory screen. They have a really great kind of featured page and stuff like that that I like. Jason, have you seen this at all? It's, it's a really, really good-looking yep. page, and they yep. feature a few different shows. They have trending and most popular lists, and they do a really good job of highlighting that stuff, and, and I think it's really good. And uh, I like to see Relay FM right there on the Networks page. It makes me happy. I too. like to see The Incomparable right there as well. Yep. It makes me very happy to see that stuff. Um, I think it looks really good. And when I say about added stuff, they've added uh, trim, silence, and voice boost, a uh, volume boost, they call it. So it's like the stuff that we have yeah. in Overcast and has existed in other applications as well. But I think it's been popularized by Marco, right? Like the, the silence skimming and trimming and different kind of effects to make shows louder and to make them sound better on speakers and stuff. Yeah, and and they did a good uh, Shifty Jelly did a good job with it too. It's, yeah, um, they did do a good job. It, it's they sound good. I'm skeptical of speed up algorithms because speed up algorithms in general, um, I have been unable to stomach. They are generally I find them un- I've unlistenable because it's it's sort of tick 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 tick. There's weird yeah. artifacts, and Overcast was the first app that really did um, time compression stuff where I felt it was transparent and yep. I was I was willing to use it. And the yeah the uh, the the um, the Pocket Cast stuff is is like that it, it's it's much better it sounds very good so i have been playing around with it i remember in like the early betas and stuff and, and uh, on the android app and i've seen the progression that pocket cars have gone through with theirs and theirs sounds excellent as well and you should have seen me the other night i was playing two devices side by side the same show to try and see if i could hear any differences and to me the differences are small and I think that they're the way that I perceive them and it's so difficult with this sort of stuff because you're just trying to play on what you're hearing and it's not like a scientific test but to my ears it sounds like Overcast is still preserving more silence than Pocketcast is and one of the reasons I like that is silence removal is a good thing but having there be no silence in, when people are talking I, I think that sounds a little unnatural yeah. and I know that Overcast the way I've heard Marco talk about it is he doesn't just delete the silence it is just shortened down and there's still some left in there he scales it basically exactly which yeah. is very clever so you, you're keeping a, a pause a longer pause or a shorter pause will still be longer or shorter it will just be uh, less less but it's sort of proportionally less I think and it totally sounds like that sort of stuff's happening in, in pocket casts too. But to me, just to my ears, I preferred the way that Overcast sounds. And one of the things that I noticed as I was uh, with my show, The Ring Post, and The Incomparable, there's some music that I use in it. And the music sounded more closer to the original in Overcast than it did in pocket casts. That, hmm. was, that was the main thing that I could hear. It's a very small thing because, honestly, it does a great job. I think it's just a case of what what you prefer when you listen to them. And I think a lot of it is just the perception, and I think there's some stuff going on there that's like deep subconscious stuff, right? Uh, But I just feel like the Overcast one works better for me. Um, One thing that Pocket Cast does really well that not a lot of podcast apps do really well anymore is video podcasts. Like the Apple podcast app doesn't do a very good job. Overcast doesn't support them at all. And they just added picture in picture and split screen multitasking. So there are still some video podcasts that I watch. Uh, I subscribe to Gray's videos via an RSS feed as well. 
So if there's ever video podcasts like at the Apple events and stuff like that, po- Pocket Cast is where I play them. And now with Picture in Picture, even better. Uh, they also added just perfectly in time for me uh, MP3 chapters and custom artwork. Uh, it was like the day after we published Cortex, where we had like seven chapters and seven custom made artworks. I kind of went a bit crazy. Uh-huh. And, and then yeah, this app did. came out and it had all of those in there. And also, last week, I don't know if you noticed this, I put some special artwork in this show. I put the 100 emoji on the artwork. Very nice. So, I didn't notice that. There you go. So you could see that in the, in Pocket Cast. I've been doing that. I did it with, uh, with yep. Analog as well because we were talking about engagement and house stuff. And for the chapters that I used, I put little uh, emoji, like a ring emoji and a house emoji. Which I should probably take a very quick diversion to talk about my chapters mentality. Uh, I do use them every now and then. Um, I use them when I feel it's necessary to include them for some reason. So last week's episode had it because we had a mic at the movie segment. But just like right. re- for me, regular episodes, I don't think that this show necessarily needs the chapters so much. It's just you just listen to it. We talk about some stuff. Um, there are some shows where I always put chapters in them when they're a little bit more timeless and topic based. I kind of just play around with it. My feeling is I don't think every po- episode of every podcast should have chapters in it. I do it when I feel it's right. I know that you use them more than me, but that's kind of just my feeling about it right now. Yeah, and I don't use them. So, um, like, if you look at Accidental Tech Podcast, Marco basically chapterizes that whole thing now. Mm-hmm. And I, it's nice that they're there, but I don't really use those. I, I, I feel like in most cases that's overkill. Yeah. Um, although it's great if he's he wants to do it. I'm sure there are listeners out there who really appreciate that. Um, for me... It, it it varies by the podcast, but uh, like incomparable, I'll do it when there's a clear line of demarcation I'm, I want I want to make. So if we fire off the spoiler horn, or if we talk about two yeah. movies, uh, or two books, or four books, or something like that, I will absolutely chapterize those episodes. And clockwise, I clockwise is so rigorously formatted that I feel like it's perfect for that structure. Like I I, I put them in there, um, even though I'm not sure anybody is skipping to the next topic. But if they want to, I, I just feel like it's a good show for that because yeah. it is split into four segments plus the goodbyes. So it, it's a good place. segments as well. There's not like five yeah, exactly. one week, seven another week. It doesn't work like that. Exactly. So so the same way as I, I release lots of episodes that have no chapter marks in them because I feel like it's just an episode. The, the, I'm not going to go through and say, well, this is the part where we talked about how the, you know, how the the movie made us feel. And <laughs> it's just, no, I'm not going to do that. That That's too... That's a bridge too far. People want to do that. That's great. And we could do it on this, but I feel like you're probably making the right approach, which is there's a line. And when we cross it, that's the moment when we chapterize. So also, whilst we're down in this rabbit hole, uh, for Upgrade and Connected, I believe in speed. Um, These are news-based shows. News is breaking all the time. I want them out as soon as possible. To get chapters right, a lot of the time you have to listen back to the show to edit. And I don't do listen-through edits for those two shows. I have my whole weird system of writing down time codes to take out crosstalk, and I spend a lot of time doing that. But if I do a full listen-through edit, I wouldn't be able to get these shows out for maybe a couple of days because that takes an incredible amount of time to go through and edit that way. So I have my own system, which means that I can get this show out in 30 minutes, and honestly, I think it sounds great. Like if you listen to the difference between the live show and the and the release show, you know me and Jason are talking over each other all the time. There are things that we repeat. There are things that we change, and I edit all of those and make, and clean up the show. Uh, but I do that with my you don't own want it way. To be not clean. 
I did that on purpose. I just did over talk for an example for the leave that one in. Yeah, I'm gonna see that. That's how it's. That's how it would sound. Do you want that? Do you want that, dear listener? No, you don't. So I, I take my time to do it. But if I was to 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 really add chapters properly, I'd have to listen to the whole show, and it would mean yeah. that upgrade would be posted maybe two days later because that's a lot of work to to put into my schedule. So right, that, I do know, a listen through for um for the incomparable uh, because I I do a lot of editing on that usually, and uh yeah, that's a that's a multi hours process. So not only is that more a lot more time to be put in, but it also requires that those shows are are not instantly posted, and the ones yeah. that I post instantly don't get that if you see a show that has chapters in it from me typically on like a regular basis it's one that i post weirdly like so for example cortex always has chapters in it because it i edit it over the space of a week basically so i have the time for it i put chapters in the ring post but it's because we have big sections yeah, that are mm-hmm. that are the same, and I don't yeah. need to do anything with them because I record to three different people, so I can just see it in the wave file. So it's easy. It's easy for me to yeah. do. So. And uh, Martin in the chat room says there are no chapters in Robot or Not. That's not entirely true. There are sometimes, like everything in Robot or Not, um, the podcast to do with John Syracuse, uh, chapters are used to frustrate the listener and ironically most of the time um i i have done it where there's been like a two minute long episode with three or four chapter markers in it um again because that's what that show is all about is yep. driving you crazy <laughs> we have gotten way too far into the weeds yep, now so, we have. so pulling it back out again to talk about pocket casts um so yeah, I'm pleased that they've added the chapter support MP3. They had AAC chapter support, but AAC chapters have kind of died off. I yeah. most people are doing MP3 chapters now, and, and and a lot of us are doing it because we're on a beta for a tool that uses <laughs> makes yeah. them in MP3s. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really interesting that this application is now fully, basically all written in Swift with a few parts that aren't. Uh, I can't think of any other high-profile third-party applications that have been com- basically completely ported to Swift right now. I can't think of any. This is one of the first that I'd heard of. It doesn't really make any difference to me, I don't think, that, you know. but I just thought it was worthwhile to note. I was surprised when I saw that um, in their blog post about it. I was like, huh, okay, that's a, an interesting thing that, that Russell did there was to move it to Swift. Because it feels like a lot of the developers kind of that I follow, you know, and, and I'm thinking about like under the radar here, David and Marco, they're, they're both a little bit hesitant of Swift. And I know they're both starting to kind of like dip their toe in the water, but Shifty Jelly have just moved their biggest application on iOS to Swift. I thought, huh, that's an, a bold move. Yeah. Uh, overall, Pocket Cast 6, I think, is really good. It's, it's fantastic. They've done an incredible job with it. I think that Pocket Cast is basically the it's hands down the best cross-platform podcast application. Sure. Um, their Android app is spectacular. Their web app is brilliant. Have you ever used the Pocket Cast web app? I don't know if I it's have. It's really, really good. So, you know, like I know that Marco's mentioned this before, like basically Overcast on the web, it's just a list of shows, you know, and you can just go through and listen to them. But the, the Pocket Cast web app is a web client of a podcast app. It has a list, it has playlists, like it's all there. So it's, that's really good. Um, I've got to say, I am still going to continue to use Overcast, and there are a few reasons for that for me. Uh, I I just prefer the way that Smart Speed sounds and works, um, and also the trim silence in Pocket Cast right now is only for downloaded shows, and I basically stream everything now because I'm always at home when I'm listening to shows for the majority of the time. So it not it, that not working there doesn't really work for me. Um, and also, I love Marco's inbox feature on Overcast, the ability to upload 
MP3 files of maybe shows I'm working on or audiobooks that I have legally acquired and then done some stuff to to get them into an inbox. Uh, And ultimately, for me now, I have been using Overcast for so long, it's just become the way that I think about podcasts. It's, It's like Tweetbot is for me and Twitterific is for you. It's just the app that is synonymous with the type of thing that it does. Yeah. So, But I do think it's worth noting that there are other great options, which is why I wanted to talk about this today. And Graham at Max Stories posted a, like a review of Pocket Cast 6 today, and he made a great, meant, like, a great point, which was one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up in the first place, is I think that it's really great to see that there is still great choice and interesting development occurring on podcast applications. Because it kind of feels like that is a market that should have matured by now and just be stagnating, but it's not. There's still lots of really interesting stuff happening, and there's some good stuff on the way as well. I know that the Castro team, um, Super Top, they are teasing the Castro 2, and it looks really, really interesting. So, yeah, there's there's still some very cool stuff going on out there. And as somebody who makes their living on this stuff... I'm really happy to see that the third-party applications that are kind of where our audience is, that market is still thriving. So I would recommend go check out Pocket Casts. Like it's it's like three ninety nine or something. It's not expensive. Just go and see. You might like it. Um, if not, if you use Pocket Casts, go check out Overcast. If you use Castro, go check them out and make sure you keep an eye out for Castro too. Just download them all is what I'm saying because they're all great and they're made by great people. So. Very That's much a very much like how Twitter was before Twitter closed the API. You're you're right there. The, yep. The, it, it is the famously I think Gruber called it the uh, UI playground, and it is like that. That um, everybody is trying to advance the ball in different ways, and then also catch up with the competition. So Marco's audio stuff, or I think, really spurred uh, Pocket Casts to to improve the game on the audio side, and then but Pocket Cast also does things that Overcast doesn't do. Castro is trying some new things that are that are going to make that very interesting for uh for people that, that the other two aren't doing right now i mean there's all just there's a lot going on there and if you love podcasts um it's always good to i i think to shop around these are these are relatively again if you can't afford three dollars f- to try out another podcast app that you might love then i guess don't buy it but um it seems like a very small price to pay if you're somebody who listens to a lot of podcasts because maybe you'll find another tool that fits your life better i don't mm-hmm. know so yeah that's that all right German Watch. He's back. He's back at Bloomberg. We, we spoke about Mark German when he moved uh, to Bloomberg a few weeks ago, and we were wondering what that was going to look like for him. Well, now we know. Uh, German has done a few things in the last couple of weeks, and his role over at Bloomberg right now. Um, one of them, oh man, autoplay video. Oosh. Ah, he just... Bloomberg, you're killing yeah, me. Welcome to the my page. world. Autoplay video. I just can't. I just can't. Anyway, so uh, German is doing a few things. He has been reporting on some just general news stuff, like the fact that Apple released the uh, iPhone app to control the Apple TV. So that sort of stuff's in there. He's doing some beat reporting, but he's also breaking some stories. And one of them was uh, that Apple is hiring a car person, um, a guy by the name of Dan Dodge, who's a former CEO and founder of QNX, which was bought by BlackBerry. Um, of course, there's a guy named Dodge who's a car yeah, person. Yeah, kind of perfect. And basically saying that Dodge is going to be working on some automated software stuff for them. He's going to be joining Big Bob Mansfield. 
Um, and he did have some tidbits that I thought were interesting in this this car story that apparently Apple has hundreds of engineers working on a car design and is targeting a release of 2020. And Mansfield's division, he's running the car division, it seems, comprises of three pillars led by Apple veterans. And you can, you can mention to me if you know these people, Jason, not, not personally, but know of them. Uh, the software team under John Wright, uh, a sensor group headed by Benjamin Lyon, and a unit of hardware engineers led by DJ Notevny. Mansfield apparently reports to Cook directly, and Dan Dodge is a part of John Wright's software group. There is stuff happening. I think at this point, whilst we were, you know, there's a lot of dancing around, like maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Apple investigate everything, you know, that kind of discussion we were having. I think at this point, it seems pretty sure that Apple is in some way investigating working on a car or something car related. You think? Yeah, probably so. I think that's pretty obvious now. So that's that. But what I really wanted to talk about today was a story that Mark broke this morning, which was kind of uh, rounding up and confirming, in the German way, uh, confirming, well, maybe we'll call it that, uh, iPhone 7 yeah. design details. So let me go through some of these with you, Jason. Okay. Uh, we've got a couple of different pillars here um, of what the new iPhone is going to look like, and they kind of are wrapped under more advances to photography and the capabilities yep. there, and similar hardware design. So let's start with the camera. There is apparently going to be camera improvements throughout, but on the larger phone, dual camera system. Yes. Um, hashtag Mike was right on that one, I guess. <laughs> wait, I, I, wait, were you... Are you right because you the predicted that there would be two cameras? Or just big, big, big phone's best. Big phone's okay, best. I'm going to give this to you. Um, the This is the sort of feature that would make me consider buying the big phone. And I think there's going to be many converts to the Plus Club uh, yeah. come September. So basically the information that we have is brighter photos, sharper photos, and will allow users to zoom while retaining more clarity. Right. This is what a dual lens system can do. Um uh, there have been many rumors to varying capabilities of what a dual lens camera can do. There are dual lens cameras out there. It's, you know, it seems like that there's ways to adjust like focus and zoom and after the fact uh-huh. and software in some of them. I think that what we're going to see is a massive focus on the camera stuff. And it is interesting that it's only going to be in the plus, which will probably be renamed to the pro. There are also yeah. rumors of there being three phones right yeah a plus, a plus and a pro that's that, that seems awfully complicated to have four current model iphone yeah designs but, but however they do it there being uh an emphasis on the naming to become the pro which would make so much sense if they don't name it the iphone whatever they call it seven and seven pro i would be very surprised uh because they have pro everywhere now but anyway and also one of the bigger things and i think the thing that we'll be focusing on the most come september is similar hardware design um, apparently there's going to be some noticeable tweaks. The antenna lines are going to be different, maybe mimic a little bit more of the iPad design of the way the antennas look, which yeah. I really like that style. Um, and mo- apparently Apple will be focusing on the fact that they are moving away from the two-year cycle of hardware design. Of design, yeah. This is a... Uh, looking at the photos that have leaked that appear to be real, legitimate um, uh, iPhone 7 builds, uh, it looks like an iPhone 6 model with some some changes. I mean, you won't. It won't be like um, 
like the model like that like the s where you you know you have to look and see that it says s and that's how you know right it'll be it'll look a little different you'll be able to very quickly kind of look at it and go oh this is a seven but it's not going to be uh a dramatic difference in fact i i i'm interested i'm intrigued uh about whether it actually fits in the cases for the six i wonder uh if it might um it's going to be close. Certainly, it looks like. I wanted to ask them. This is this is something that maybe I'll write a piece about this later. This is how think pieces happen. By the way, is you just have that little spark where you're like, oh, huh? I wonder. So I'll 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 share it here, and maybe I'll write something about this. Maybe I won't. I wonder. Talking about the plus or pro or whatever the 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 big the big phone. I wonder if the existence of the iPhone SE makes the iPhone 6 or 6S or 7 um, non-plus model a little less of an interesting product like if it if it if it starts to kind of fade away a little bit and maybe it's still the mainstream product and most people will buy it but at some point if you've got that SE which does really well and fulfills people who want a smaller phone and how many people had this had the 6 or the 6S uh, because it was the smallest of the current model phones and it just it's just a thought that i'm feeling in myself like the more they put into the high end phone beyond just like you know video image stabilization but like the camera is way better i find myself looking at the at the at the smaller phone and thinking eh like i could either get an se or i could get the big phone with the 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 good camera um it, p- it takes the shine off the of the uh essentially the middle size yeah. a little bit I wonder about that. Whether you think of it as a good or a bad thing, the fact that the SE will probably remain with its current features is a a factor, right? It's true. The SE would be, like for so many people, an absolute no-brainer if it got the same features that the other ones were going to get, but it's going to be held back. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see how how dramatic the feature changes are on the 7. I think um, that the way that the SE is sold should indicate to Apple that maybe they should be refreshing that a little bit faster yeah. than they thought. I don't know. We'll see what they do there. I just, I, I, I just had that thought of like, I wonder if in a, if in a year or two, the iPhone line, if it's going to keep on having three sizes, or if at some point do they embrace the fact that they should r- build a new modern design for that smaller size, and have the big phone that has all these amazing high end features. And that middle size, it, do do people really want the middle size, or do, are they buying the middle size because of its price and because it's the smaller of the two mainstream phones? If the SE is picking up, probably not. Probably that middle size is the sweet spot. But it just yeah, it strikes me. I think me. it is honestly. I, I I would be surprised if they got rid of that size because it will fit so many more people. Um, and you know that there are many people with kind of like average sized hands or whatever that prefer that size. Uh, and but don't want to go anywhere near the the plus because it's the plus Maybe. is huge. It is huge, it, and I know it, it is, is. But that's what's large like about it. Um, there's more though. Uh, I'm go- actually I put a link in the show notes to a Mac rumors um photos of of uh, apparent iPhone seven. So you see right. the camera is bigger, much bigger on the regular phone. It looks like it's like the regular phone here. So there's going to be advancements probably across the two phones, but it is in the plus. Uh, where you're going to see significant change with the dual lens technology. There is going to be a re-engineered home button that responds to pressure with haptic feedback. The mechanism is similar to the force touch trackpads, Gurman reports. I don't know why we need this. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless there is... 
a complete change. Like I see maybe that they, you know, there's been lots of rumors and, and I think it may have been started by John Gruber about the next phone being this incredible edge to edge, all glass, all screen right. thing. Eliminating a moving part is probably the motivator, right? That's what I would think. It's like, let's start by eliminating moving parts. So that they're, they're kind of using this one as a way to, to move towards that, you know, and, and that this would be one of them. I mean, it's an engineering issue too. It, it is, um, they they have it's a moving part it breaks people's home home buttons don't work right yep. um and sometimes some percentage of them and you take that out and it's one less place where there's stuff moving around there's a place for water to get in there's a place for junk to get in just mm-hmm. take it out have it be uh, a thing that you then again you know haptic feedback you got to you got to make sure that that feedback is is good enough for people to feel like they've actually pressed the button yeah. because if not it can get really frustrating um if you're if you're like trying to press it and nothing is happening or you feel that nothing is happening so that's a it's a cha- there's a challenge there they did a pretty good job with the force touch trackpad so maybe that's uh that's where they're going with it is re- reduce the moving parts on the you know the, on the outside of the of the device um I don't know. It's an interesting idea. That is the, like you said, the the thought of like, ultimately, will there be a home button less um, device? I don't know. And if we're taking that thinking a little bit further, when we spoke about the headphone jack removal thing, we were saying, is it partly read to get ready for the next one? Uh, I know that we kind of poo-pooed that, but there, well, <laughs> it seems like that the headphones. It might be internally, but it's pointless yeah. from a consumer standpoint to yep. say we're 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 removing this thing here because next year's going to be great. Is not something they can say to anyone. Apparently, the removal of the headphone jack is happening, and yep. it is in favor of Bluetooth and Lightning as your audio method, and it's going to be making room for a second speaker. Man, <laughs> I cannot see. So that's so that's going to be their story. That's going to be their story. Is now we have stereo speakers on the bottom. Uh, within an inch of each other and so it'll be really awesome i do not see how they spin this this is going to be very very interesting (laughs) samsung had an event where they introduced the new note 7 i think it was last week or week before and they were taking shots at apple which I thought was very funny. Yeah. I'm kind of like hinting at the fact that they still have a headphone jack. See, they should they should leave the headphone jack in the plus. That would be another way that the oh. plus gets people. It's like we've got the room there, so we'll just leave it there. But on the on the other phone, we just don't, we just don't have the room. For that, that would make just... me. You would not even believe the glee that I would have if that was the case. <laughs> but that's not what he's reporting. He's reporting no. that they're both going to lose the headphone jack, and everybody who likes wired headphones get ready to have a lightning uh, dongle. I don't know what the reason's going to be from Apple for this. I, I'm still holding on to the fact that I'll kind of, I was going to lay my cards out on the table what I think they're going to say. I think they're just going to use the exact same reasoning they use for the MacBook Air. We live a wireless life. Yep, That's I think, it. and I think if, if I were to predict it, I think they're gonna they're gonna blow past it. It's not going to be one of those things where it's like we know this is controversial, but let me explain why. I think it's more likely that what they're going to say is, look. Everybody loves wireless headphones. Uh, we don't. The headphone jack's a hundred years old. You know, we'll give you a dongle, but we don't think most people care about this. And uh, you know, and we got a second speaker in that space <laughs> yeah. instead, which people really love because so many people listen to their iPhone through the speaker that we want to. That we you wanna... know they're going to throw a statistic at you there, right? Yeah, like they're going to yeah. give you one of those statistics. And honestly, like, and they'll move on. That'll you be look that. at 
something like Overcast, right? Like Mark has said that so many people listen on the speakers. I mean, I do constantly. I listen to on the speakers way more than I listen to the headphone jack. But it's it, the the convenience thing is is interesting, and it's going to be really weird how they explain it when they say, "Well, I believe we have a wireless life, but we're also giving you wired lightning headphones in the box." Like it's. I, this is going to take all of the best marketing power that Apple has to try and give this a reason. It won't placate people. No. I'm not saying it should, but it's always interesting to hear what reasons they give. Because yep. they don't What's just the say, story? like, this is it, deal with it. There's always a story in it. And I'm, <laughs> they should maybe try that to see what happens. I'm interested to see where it goes. So, Some good stories from German there. I'm happy to see him yep. back. Yep. This, week, this week's episode is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Jason, Mac Weldon. Yes, Mac, <laughs> we, Mac Weldon. Weldon. We were talking before the show, and I mentioned to Jason, oh, we've got Mac Weldon today. You have Mac Weldon products. And he was very confused, and I was like, what's happening here? I know Jason has this stuff. Why is he so confused? And it's because I was Mac Welding for 15 years. Mac World. Very funny. Yeah. Very funny. Maybe you should have been there, but it made me laugh. Mac <laughs> Weldon is our sponsor today. And let me tell you what Mac Weldon's all about. <laughs> Mac Walden is about making better underwear than what you're wearing right now. <laughs> and they make amazing stuff. Mac Walden believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. I was at Mac Walden's website and I was ordering some stuff for myself, which is uh, I'm going to be picking up, which I can't wait to get you know, when I go to the US next week. It was so easy to buy their stuff. And my favorite thing, I, this is really cool. The more I was buying, there was this little bar on the top of the website that was filling up and it was discounting me. It was giving me different discounts the more I was buying. <laughs> I just thought, this is really cool. I'll just keep buying more and more stuff. And I kept seeing money come off. And it was it was a nice, a really nice shopping experience. Their stuff looks really great. Um, I have bought some underwear and some socks and I've also bought some sweatpants. I've been looking for some nice sweatpants for when I fly. Um, because I don't really like to wear jeans so much and I don't want to wear kind of like sweatpants that make it look like I've just come from the gym. I want stuff that looks good and I've got I've got these sweatpants that I'm going to be picking up and wearing on my trips this summer and they look really nice. They just look like a nice pair of trousers as opposed to some gym clothes. Now, Jason, I know that you uh, own Mac Weldon products, I do. right? Indeed, I do. Yes, same same deal. I've got some uh, their, uh, of their underpants and also of their socks, which are are nifty. I like the socks. They're, yeah, great uh, design. Got stripy socks, mm-hmm. and they, they they seem to cycle them through. So I actually need to go back there and check and see what the new uh, what the new stripy socks are. And it's yeah, very high quality material, really comfortable. Um, you know, love them. They also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. They actually have silver yep. in them. Uh, it means yeah, they eliminate kills the odors. Microbes. Yeah, and kills the microbes. Odors and microbes, dead. It's some cool science stuff over at Mac Weldon. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, keep it and they'll refund you. No questions asked. They probably don't want your underwear back. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you keep it. <laughs> no. If you don't like it, they'll still refund you anyway, and then maybe you'll change your mind. Not only do Mac Weldon's underwear, socks and shirts look good, they perform well too. They're good for work out going out friends going out on dates you're going to look good you're going to feel good there for everyday life listeners of this show can get 20 percent off at macweldon.com that's m-a-c-k-w-e-l-d-o-n.com with the code upgrade you'll get 20 percent off which is fantastic thank you so much to mac weldon for their support of this show and relay fm is it just the way i say it yeah so, mac so, so you say weldon. you say mac weldon mac weldon Mac Weldon. I'm putting the emphasis you on go, the wrong syllables, right? You say right? Mac Weldon. 
Mac-Welding. And because you don't pronounce your R's because you're English, it becomes Macworlding. Because Mac-Weld. Mac-Weld, Mac-Weld and Macworld and Macwilden are <laughs> the same. Okay. Well, okay. It's Jason, fine. this is probably something you're very interested in, and you wrote a little piece about this on Six Colors as well. Some news from Peter Kafka who is uh, the media guy over at Recode. He always does great stuff like this. Talking about Apple's plans to create a TV guide. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like it. I mean, there are TV guide apps out there. Yahoo has one. Uh, people have tried this. The idea of uh, what you want to do is... Uh, think of it this way. Um, HBO only cares about HBO stuff, and Netflix only cares about Netflix stuff. But Apple, as the box owner, uh, b- plays above that level. And with like the Siri search, they've tried to do this, where they've got different providers and they're all indexed together. And uh, so when you say, Tell, show me this show, it can say, oh, well, that show's on HBO and it's also on Netflix and it's on iTunes. And then you can pick what you want to do. And so what Peter Kafka's report is saying is that um, Applewood uh, is talking about the idea of creating a digital TV guide on uh, Apple TV and elsewhere that would be even more expansive, that it would show, um, uh, and some of this is me extrapolating here from the Kafka's report, but it would show things like the shows that you want to watch. You could like keep track of your shows that you've watched and want to watch and your, your watch lists and things like that, which would be really interesting so that whenever you want to watch a video you can go oh what what you know let's watch a video what do i have and then kind of pick it and that could be across services which i think is compelling and a place where apple can add value even though they're not a video provider themselves more or less um and then uh i also was thinking that this would also be a useful way to handle uh live streams and i know that somebody made an announcement about this uh about an I think Apple even has talked about this, the idea of, you know, what's on right now, the idea that there are lots of live TV streams out there on the internet too, some for pay and some not, and and finding ways to organize that. Joe Steele wrote a nice piece a while ago, um, I think he feels vindicated now, where he talked about, you know, people do actually like to see what's on and flip around a little bit, and the internet has kind of lost that, and that um, bringing that back might be a smart move. So it's not like, like Apple's breaking new ground here, I think, in some some ways but i i think this is a place where apple can differentiate uh itself and uh make the user experience of internet video on an apple tv or an iphone or an ipad better it's an interesting interesting idea so i have some questions about this because i'm mm-hmm. very confused about it um in the world where our services are on demand netflix uh hbo Amazon, if they ever have an Apple TV app. How do you make a TV guide out of on-demand content? Nothing is broadcasting on Netflix. Right? I think I think you end up... Uh, I think the, the, a wish list is the kind of thing, adding to favorites or a wish list. The idea that if you're in, on your Apple TV or even in your iPad, you have the ability to say, like, uh, you know, I want to... Most of these services, this is one of the reasons why they're probably working with these services. Most of these services have a way to mark things as a favorite. Um, you also want to get whatever is live or whatever is new or newly added because that happens on some of these platforms too. But that idea, I, I have a I have a to-do list in my reminders app of shows I want to watch because I don't have a single, you know, some of them are on HBO Go and some are on Netflix and some are on Amazon and some are on Hulu. And so I have a list 
in reminders. It's dumb. And uh, that would be a place where uh, Apple could build some nice UI to uh, essentially give me something that's sort of like my TiVo now playing list, which is like, here, here are the shows that you've said you want to you want to track. And here's what's new if there are new episodes, um, if you're on a, a service that's releasing new episodes. Because I've been thinking about this, like, what is the UI? Who? How is this stuff provided? Because Netflix, uh, HBO, I'm going to keep saying it, by the way, because yeah. people love it or hate it. Uh, these app, these companies, they don't want Apple to be their interface. Yeah, I, I had a back and forth with somebody on Twitter about this that... Um, I because one of the things Kafka says in his story is TV inter- industry executives I've talked to Kafka view this as a mixed bag. They like the idea of making their individual shows easier to find, but they worry that moving consumers focus from their individual apps to a universal guide will reduce their power to promote their other shows. It's like, well, yeah, that's life. You want it. You want the you want people to find your stuff, uh-huh. uh, but you actually want to control them so they can't find anybody else's stuff. Well, guess what? This is one of those advantages that Apple has. Eddie Q even talked about this in that in that story for Fast Company. One of Apple's advantages is that Apple is thinking about. Oh, it wasn't Eddie Q. It was Tim Cook. He was talking about healthcare, and he said everybody else in the health industry is wor- uh, worried about maximizing insurance reimbursements, and Apple isn't. And so Apple has a perspective that's very different and it lets them do things that that. Uh, um, other people involved in healthcare wouldn't do. And I see it with the Apple TV here, that this is a case where Apple really cares about the user experience. They're not a content provider who's trying to protect their content pile. And so um, I think I, I get the the fear here, but the way uh, the person who was engaging with me on Twitter about this, I think his vision of this was a very different vision than my vision of what this feature is. I don't view this as Apple taking over Netflix from you, although they could do that. I don't. I mean, the way TiVo does it, you can save a show that's on Netflix on your TiVo, but when you click on the show, you go to the Netflix app. And see that show's page. It it doesn't subsume the Netflix interface. Um, sure, but although, it might stop people browsing the Netflix it, interface, it, right? It might. Although, I mean, again, like like uh, like the the story said, the pros are your shows are findable. The cons are your sh- your show your interface that is only pushing your stuff is less visible, not invisible. Yeah but less visible. Well, if you look at Netflix, every time they have a new original, they tell me it's something I might like, even if it's completely unrelated to anything I've ever seen before. How are they going to continue to do that? So I'm wondering, like, do they just not get to do that anymore? Or does the data for some of this recommended stuff come from the application? So they're just going to push it on us anyway. I would imagine that that, that is part of what they're talking about. But I think that's not not unreasonable to say that if if Apple were to do a discovery thing based on this, not just sort of a what you have put in your list, but like here's some other stuff, um, which is not it's not guaranteed that they would right. Apple's got their own uh, TV stuff that they that they promote in their TV app, and it, it could be as simple as like you know you use your Netflix app to look through Netflix, but if you save something as a favorite, you can browse that from our TV favorites app that we're doing. Um, uh, you, but if they did do recommendations, yeah, it could be like 
you know, we're you have a Netflix show here, so we're going to recommend Netflix shows that are similar to it based on Netflix's own algorithm that they're providing. I, I yeah, think because in theory, I, the 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 developers of the applications would need to provide that because Apple, yeah. Apple's kind of way of doing things would not be by data collection. Like they would struggle to recommend to you. Yeah, Apple would have an API that they would say, like, look, this is how this is going to work. We're going to talk to you. You're going to tell us this in this in this way. Everybody's just like with the Siri search stuff. And they and they would put that together. I think so. So I guess what I'm saying is I can imagine a version of this that makes a lot of sense for for customers, for people, for users and uh, is fine. I would say reasonable for uh, for the content providers, I can also see. Yeah, I can see a version of it that the content providers would be uh, more chilly on. Uh, th- that said, um, I find it funny that a week after there was that piece about how Apple is incredibly arrogant when it comes to, in the Wall Street Journal, incredibly arrogant when it comes to negotiating with entertainment companies, and Eddie Q walks in without socks, and everybody else is wearing suits, and everybody hates Apple because they're so arrogant. And at the time, my comment about that article was, why is it that only Apple is being portrayed arrogant? Don't you think the TV executives are, or, or movie executives are also arrogant in a different way, and that this is a clash of two people representing huge industries and big businesses trying to negotiate with each other? Um, but, you know, uh, that story was obviously fed from one side and, and so now this one other, is. <laughs> uh, so 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 this story yes this story i look at it and say these are the people who are saying apple was arrogant and i'm not saying apple doesn't act arrogantly they do but this is a case where apple is saying hey we want to make this uh this better for the users and the tv industry is like oh no we don't want to make things more convenient we want to lock them into our platform and pretend like there's no other platforms out there and that's where you get uh bad user experience where all of these things are siloed and no and, and it's very difficult to do anything to integrate them even though users would like the services they subscribe to to all be integrated together so that it was a simpler experience and apple went has gone a step with the Siri search on Apple TV. So I feel like they're they're headed down the path. Um, I don't know where this Peter Kafka story is originated. Uh, it seems to be Apple itself. Um, but this is a case, it's an interesting case where um, I would think there's a way for this to make sense that TV providers would be happy about because it, it, in the end, they're the ones charging for their content. Um, and the content, without that content, they're you know, it doesn't show up if you don't pay for the content. So I don't know. It's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. What I like about it is it allows Apple to put its own spin on this for its users to differentiate the Apple TV and the iPhone and the iPad um, without Apple having to get into the, you know, we're launching our own streaming service business. I wonder how this would look from a UI perspective. Would this be an application? Would this be a brand new view in Apple TV that you see? And one of the other things is, is it, it's funny to me how Apple would potentially be creating a UI view or an application that kind of devalues the other applications. Yeah, it's a well. I mean, it depends on how they do it. I, I, I imagine it would be more like a launcher into those applications. But that that removes a lot of the other views, right? Like it just takes you straight to play. So I'm I'm wondering how that's gonna play out and how that will look and will this be an app that apple makes that you go and download or is this just like 
Apple TV view. Like you see this first and then maybe you press the home button to go to the apps, but this is like your main view, like when you turn on your television. I'd imagine it would be integrated and not an app that you would download, whether it would be an app or something that you kick off from the UI in a different way or via Siri or something like that. Like, yeah. is is it is it just Siri, show me what's on TV right now or, you know, show me what's on my wish list or is there a is there sort of like a, a you know, a, a to do list kind of a, a guide live guide app thing i don't i don't know it's an interesting idea where does the data come from like will i be shown what's happening and stuff that i don't subscribe to will i then need to pay for every individual feed and application to get all of this stuff like i'm really wondering how this is going to look and also if this was apple's idea this is what the apple tv should have always been yeah i i think this is the like I said, I think the Siri stuff shows that this is sort of the path they have wanted to go down, the universal search in Siri. Mm-hmm. And this is another step down there. And and if I had to guess, the Recode story exists because Apple is meeting resistance and is frustrated because this seems to make a lot of sense and be something that benefits everybody. And yet they are running into resistance from people who are like, basically, we don't want to deal with Apple. Oh, I, I, sometimes I wonder if the negotiations between the entertainment industry and Apple are literally like... Apple says, here's a deal that's pretty good, but we expect you to counter offer. And then, and, and because that's a reasonable thing to do, it's obviously our first deal. It's going to be weighted toward us, but you're going to counter and it's going to be fine. And then the other side says, they're magicians. Don't believe anything they say. Whatever looks good is actually bad. Run away. I, I kind of think that that maybe is how Hollywood views Apple at this point. It's like they just don't believe that they aren't going to screw it up if they agree to anything Apple wants. So just say no. Um, but Apple finds a way to do things here and there the universal search i think universal search is really great for hbo and uh it's great for netflix and it's great for apple but i think it's great for everybody because if you want to find a movie or a show it basically brings in competition that's the part that bugs me about that statement that uh that they they view it as a mixed bag because what they're really saying there is we are afraid to compete with uh the other services on a on a level platform we are our our game plan is really predicated on the fact that you're going to stay in the HBO app and never leave it, which is delusional. <laughs> but yes, I can see why you would want to not have to compete with anybody and just live on your own. I totally get it. It's just delusional. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I do I, I do think Apple Apple's success with iTunes has made it difficult for them to make deals with the yeah. entertainment industry because and not for rational reasons because I think I think. What Apple, like I said, I can see if I was an entertainment company, which I am not, I am a person. Um, I kind would look of at an this, entertainment company, though. Uh, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, I would, I would look at this and say, there's a deal to be made here. I, this makes sense. I see why we could make a deal here that would be good for us. And yes, we would have to give some things up, but we would also gain in return this, this, you know, even more of this universal access on their platform. So let's talk about it. Also, Apple TV is not the dominant video platform, nor is it likely to be. And so why not uh, try this out? Maybe we'll learn some things. Maybe this will give us a path forward with other, other uh, box providers or, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I, that, that's the thing that strikes me as funny that, at least they think of it as a mixed bag and not just completely like a disaster. Because, um, yeah, sure, it's a mixed bag. That's why you negotiate. I want to just float a madcap theory. 
as I like to do. So when <laughs> nice. we look at this, we're like, this seems like the way the Apple TV should be, right? Like this seems like the natural thing that you would do. Yeah. You would have some kind of unified view, right? Like you look at it, like this should have been the Apple TV. And all the reports suggest it was supposed to be, right? Yeah. It was supposed to be a streaming service, but they didn't do it. It reminds me of the watch. Watch OS 3 is what we're saying the watch should have been, right? So if you look at the way that the watch works and how people use it, watch OS 3 seems to be what we wanted from 1 and 2 but didn't get. So this says to me one of two potential things. Um, Apple is either A, more willing to change tack now when they're getting feedback or they're, they're more willing to like completely overhaul something or go in a completely different direction after it's been released, or B, they're releasing products too early before they're f- actually finished. Hmm. It's uh, I I I feel like it's the first of those, which is I think I, it's a little column A, little column B. I, I, I think <laughs> they well, I, I think that they should have released the Apple TV when it was ready, and not tried to attach it to like a TV service or something that didn't happen. Because flat out, that product was not ready when it shipped. Well, that's true. Right, there was so much stuff it just didn't do. Well, I was I was actually referring to the fact that they could have gotten it ready and, and shipped it a year earlier, and instead they put it on the shelf while they tried to make and failed to make the deals, and then yeah. they had to get yeah, it yeah. and dust it off, and then it wasn't ready because they had to dust it off. It was too dusty, yep. and they shipped a dusty product and then had to fix it. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, changing tack, in some ways, that's just how the world works these days, is that they have to do it. I, I would imagine that a lot of this discussion, the universal search and the stuff that they're they're talking about now, is based on the idea that Apple originally thought that they were going to be able to do a TV service, right? And get and do a bundle and all of that. And that turned out to be way too complicated. And so now it's almost like what Apple's saying is, okay, tell you what, you guys can figure this out, right? You can, you can sell everything a la carte you can work with services like sling you know or whatever to bundle things together into fat bundles into skinny bundles whatever we're obviously not going to be able to do that so what we're going to do is we're going to back up a step and we're going to index the stuff that you've got for whoever is paying for whatever and be the way for your users to get at your content and whatever else they're subscribing to and that's a that's a good plan b I think the idea that uh, we're, you know, Apple's not providing that for them. So instead, you're going to get it from, you know, you're going to get a little over here and a little over there, and we will be the ones who put it together in mm-hmm. one place. And that's a, maybe that's the, a better role for Apple. I hope so. But I'm pleased to see that there's more going on here. Um, and I'm very interested to see how, how and if they pull this one off. This might be one of those things where they're struggling so much with the deals that they're kind of going public leaky with it to try and push people. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Do, do yeah. you want this though? Like you want this? The theory of it? Yeah, I li- I, I like this a lot. I, I I think. Um, I mean, I see Apple's benefit. For me, for me, the big challenge is I like some stuff that's on Amazon that's not on the platform because Amazon. But um, but I like the idea of uh of compiling a master list of the shows you want and because that's this is a thing it's like as great as the disruption has been with streaming and things like that it does make it harder to keep track like i i like i said i make a to-do list um I don't have what I had when I had just the DVR list of here's what was recorded because I have things that I've recorded and things on Netflix and things on Hulu and things on Amazon and th- things on HBO Go and it 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 gets complicated. So 
I would, uh, I think, ways of making it simple. And then to Joe Steele's point in that piece that he wrote, um, things like what's what's on, show me what's what's live. As, as linear linear TV is going away, and yet there is this sort of desire, I think, in people for the idea of sort of surfing content to see what's out there. And TV services don't do a great job of that now. And so I like that, doing more with that idea of what's on right now, even if it's literally like, here's a YouTube, what's on a YouTube channel. Um, and here's what's on ESPN three and, you know, and just stuff like that. I think that's all uh, more ways of floating that stuff out there rather than having to go to, uh, you know, a particular app, a particular channel in an app, a particular list in that channel, and then start to play it. The, the, the easier you can make all of that. I think the better the video experience is. This week's episode is also brought to you by hover boy. This is the company that makes domain name registration easy. There is nowhere else that you should go when you have that idea, when you have that thing in your brain that is making you want to create a new project, a new website, maybe to just buy a domain to play a joke on people. I, I'm i at the time of year where me and Matt were registering lots of funny domains for each other, and I'm getting the hover <laughs> renewals, and I like to get them renewed. I have some really... I have a, I'm proud of my weird collection of domain names. Uh, I love it when people share their weird domain names with me. So if you have strange domain names at hover, please tell me what they are, because I like to see them. For example, I own Matthew.fish. Just because. Why not? Hover will give it to me. And they make it so easy. They have over 400 domain extensions now. They have .com, .net, .design, .tech, .pizza, .ninja, .horse. They have a new one, which is actually very useful. You know, we talk about the .coms and the .nets and the .co's and the .io. They are really useful ones. The .pizza, .ninja, they're funny. But they have a .store now, which is fantastic. If you own a store, if you have something where you sell stuff online, this is exactly what you want. You want a dot .store. So it is actually one of the new domain types that is very useful. On Hover, you go there, you look for, search for what you're looking for, and they show you all of the domain extensions, and they show you all of what's available. So you can choose the right ones for you. And then once you've found and registered that domain using Hover Connect, you can set up your domain automatically with your website in just a few clicks. I cannot tell you all of the times that I have gotten this wrong. Like when I've tried to use the MX records and the C names and all that stuff, and I'm copying and pasting stuff from help articles. It's a nightmare. You don't have to do that with Hover. You just click some buttons and they take care of it for you. Another reason why I love this company. Find the perfect domain name for your idea or for that joke that you're playing on your friend. Go to hover.com, use the promo code PINEAPPLE at checkout, and you will save 10% off your first purchase. That is PINEAPPLE at checkout to get 10% off. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. (sighs) Pepperoni Pineapple continues to sweep the globe. It's true. We get get more about it every day. I did see somebody this week who was... um, recommending that uh i think who was it was it maybe tiffany armit was recommending that somebody try it with ham instead of pepperoni and i was like wait a second you're just going back to the hawaiian yeah that's where this all started this is the better hawaiian it's an upgraded hawaiian if we you don't will. we don't go simple here i mean i've seen people no. add bacon that's fine but don't take away the pepperoni the point is the pepperoni and the pineapple together Somebody pointed out uh, that they liked it with uh, jalapeno on it. And I will say that that is an addition that I make sometimes. Sometimes. Very rarely. But it adds a little spice. If you've got some pepperoni that's not... The turkey pepperoni I use at home, because my wife doesn't eat pork, mm. um, 
is not as spicy. So sometimes I'll add a little, uh, little jalapeno here and there just to add some spice back in. Just a little option. But the, the core, pepperoni pineapple is the core. Just let's be clear. So spread the word. It is time for Ask Upgrade. Yes. I was waiting for some lasers. They never came. The lasers misfired. Um, Matthew asked, in approximately two years, I'd like to switch to iPad Pro only. What should I do now to ensure a smooth transition? <laughs> the thing that really kind of uh, pricked my ears to this is why the specific timeline, Matthew? Why in approximately two years? Why not do it now? Why not do it in six years? Who knows? But if I was going to give you some tips as to starting this transition, um, one, I think two years is probably too long anyway, so I would try and maybe shorten that down a bit or maybe start this process a little bit later. But start using your iPad as much as you can right now. Find the apps that you like. Find the apps that you need to do the weird thing that you do on your Mac, which takes two applications on iOS, but is perfectly fine and lovely to use. Casey List, don't come at me. I will fight you. Uh, find where those tricky parts are. There are solutions for basically all of those problems I've found. You know, Barring some like crazy stuff, right? But I don't do a lot of insane, tricky, hacky, Apple scripty stuff. For all of the main problems, I find ways around them. Sometimes they take longer, sometimes they're faster, but sometimes they're more fun to solve those problems on iOS, I find. Work with that. And But the other thing is, iOS will probably look quite different on the iPad in two years' time. So... Just jump in now and see how far you can go. It might not be there for you yet. Maybe you yeah. do need to wait a little bit longer. Like, I am not comfortable to record podcasts on my iPad, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I have a dedicated work machine to record and edit shows. Everything else I do on my iPads, and that makes me happy. I feel like I live the iPad life that way. But you've got to just find where you want to be with these things. And... and don't just go iPad Pro only for the sake of it. Hopefully, you have a really good reason that you want to do that. And honestly, that reason, if you feel this way now, should be good enough to help you make the switch now. So try it. Yeah. The uh, only thing I would add is, uh, yes, it's it's the idea of starting to use it for your work and then over time finding that you like it and then you want to use it more. Use cloud services for your files. So make mm-hmm. sure if you're using an app that you can open the files from that app on the iPad and in, in that app's equivalent or something that's compatible and, you know, try iCloud Drive or Dropbox or, you know, some other cloud service uh, provider and just start using it and see what the see what the issues are. And you'll you'll know. I mean, it's it's not a forced march, right? It's you, you, you kind of make the transition over time and yep. find your comfort level. And I still use both platforms. I'm team both. Um, but I, uh, like this weekend, I, I've, I've gone down this path enough that this weekend I was able to edit and post, um, uh, and not for the first time, but this weekend I, I realized that we were leaving for a long weekend before I had even edited the incomparable. And so I just took it with me on my iPad and it was fine. I edited it and posted it from the road and it was all good. I'm not looking for an argument here, but whilst you say that you're team both, I say you're team iPad for that reason. It's just my distinction is like, I consider myself team iPad, but I use my Mac all the time for this stuff. But you're even further down that road than me because you can and will willingly edit your very popular (laughs) show on your iPad, which is something I am still a little bit too nervous to do. I have done it. I have played around with it. But you, I've seen you do it. So I say yeah. you are team iPad, my friend. I, I don't think so because um, you know there are there are tools that I can't. I, it depends on how you define it, but I, there there are things that I I don't want to do on my iPad if I could 
if I but could I'm choose. I'm the same though, right? I'm the same. Yeah. But I think people would class me as Team iPad now. So I think that we are simpatico here, my friend. All right. But but if we are Team iPad, we are we are Team iPad with a Mac that we use for some work. And that is not yeah. it, iPad Pro only, right? What if so we that's call it an a, important uh, distinction. A Maxterisk. Team iPad okay. with a Maxterisk, right? I don't know what that is. Okay. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> it was something else I wanted to say, but oh, if you are looking to try and jump onto the iPad Pro and the iPad and the iOS lifestyle and you haven't yet subscribed to Canvas on Relay FM, you should do that because they will help you. They yes. help me every two weeks. Great, I learn things app. that I need to know and didn't know. So go check it yes. out. Chris asks, it. does iOS 10 have music as a split screen app? Yes, it does. And it is a welcome addition by me. <sighs> I'm yeah. kind of crazy that it wasn't done until now but they do have that i had an upload this weekend for the the podcast that i was editing i had to upload it and i actually use dropbox as an intermediary to get it on uh it's a long one of these days i'll detail my i my ipad uh production workflow but um uh, dropbox doesn't do split screen yeah <laughs> and so i i yeah. spent and and the hotel internet was slow so it took me about 10 minutes to upload this file from dropbox uh, and so I was, I was using Slidover the entire time. Oh my god, it's the worst. I mean, Slido, it's great that it's there, but I, I've got this huge iPad screen, and I'm using this little narrow corner while Dropbox slowly uploads in the background. But I did it. I was in Slack. I was in Twitterific. I was in Safari in Slidover for about ten minutes. So. Dropbox is one app which I mainly give a pass to with this. Because the majority of the time, I'm not in the Dropbox app when I'm using Dropbox, right? Like I'm using document pickers or uploads and yeah. stuff. So it kind of gets forgotten about. But yes, it's ridiculous that it isn't split screen. But I forget that it isn't. Where like for something like Google Docs, there's nothing you can do. You can't even use Google Docs in a web browser on iOS, yeah. right? Like it forces you to the app. Where Dropbox, it has its view into so many applications that I kind of do forget that it's not split screen. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you though that it definitely should be and i really hope that they're working on that i've quite this question comes from dave and i'm gonna need your help on this jason because uh, okay this, this is it's very here. different here i'm here to help one. the move of carriers away from subsidies is rarely mentioned in iphone sales discussions is this not a big factor don't most people now see carriers paying them not to upgrade their phone every two years um so I think we might have touched on this last week, but it's definitely something that came up in the Apple analyst call. Um, and what I would say is um, they asked they asked about this, and Tim Cook said, we don't know because there are there there are replacement plans that a lot of people are using where they finance because people don't want to actually spend you know six seven hundred dollars on a phone where they do financing over time and at the end of that time yes your phone bill goes down but then you've also got an old phone and so apple's got one where the where you get a new phone every year Um, and phone companies have them at two years or at a year and a half or at three years or at two and a half years there are a lot of different ones out there plus people who want to can just buy the phone and have and see the lower price on their bill and that's something that they can do too so this is the question is um is what will that mean um my gut feeling is that i think it's going to come out in the wash i think it's not going to make a big difference in terms of the buying cycle because for the people who say oh i can go uh, i can i'm going to keep my two two year old phone and hold out another year uh, for every one of those how many people are um 
are saying, oh, this is awesome. I can just pay this monthly price to Apple and I get the new iPhone every year instead of having to wait on every other year. And I think I think you're going to see a diversity of choices, uh, people choosing a year and two years and three years. There are always going to be people who, I think it's great for people who get to the end of their two-year cycle and still are happy with their phone that they don't feel the pressure to upgrade because they might as well. They're paying essentially that subsidi- subsidy. Uh, back in the old method, there, you, you know, your bill doesn't go down after two years. So you better just get a new phone because they're charging you anyway. You might as well get the latest phone. And that's not true anymore. With this new system, your bill goes down because your subsidy is not there. It's now a payment for a phone. It has a term and it ends, which is way better. Um, so it's possible. but uh, And this is mostly in the U.S. where subsidies have been a huge thing. But I feel like in the long run, because these, these phones are fairly pricey when you're just buying them uh, and, and so many people are used to not spending a big amount of money for a phone because it has been subsidized. You're going to see people go on these plans and the plans are going to have different terms. And I do think for something like the iPhone, where people really love the iPhone and always want the new iPhone, I think it, that that plan where you get a new iPhone every year is going to have a lot of appeal. So that's my that's my take on it. But we'll see. It could change. We don't know. Uh, whether the average life of an iPhone in the buying cycle is going to be two years or three years or, you know, one year. Um, But my guess is that it won't be that much different than it is now. We had two questions this week on the idea of an Apple phone. And Lucas started off with, if Apple were to have introduced the iPhone now, imagine there was no iPhone, and now there was an iPhone, do you think that they would have called it Apple Phone instead of iPhone? I think yes, because I think Apple's clearly moving away from the iBranding with all their new products. So this goes on to Elon's question, saying that rumors are saying that the iPhone 8, so the next iPhone, will be a huge visual change. Could this be the time to change the name to Apple Phone after it also being 10 years? I have my feelings about this. I think that the change to Apple Phone is inevitable, but I don't know when. I mean, iPhone has such a big kind of brand recognition at this point. That's one thing. I think so many people know that the iPhone comes from Apple, though, that if they changed it to Apple Phone, I think it would pick up that branding almost immediately. I think that, honestly, I don't think it would skip too much of a beat. I think people will just accept it, that some people will continue to call it the iPhone regardless, like people still call it the iWatch. And I think that they would just move along and it would be Apple phone now and it would be done with. I think people would just get that, but that's just my view on it. I know there'd be many people that disagree. I think it's yes. going to happen at some point. I think it's going to happen at some point. I think yep. this would be a point to do it. I don't think they will do it, but this yeah. could be the point. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. Ever? I, I anything mean, ever in, in, in the fullness of time anything is possible but the uh, you know they have ios and iphone and ipad it is it has come to be this product category for them mm-hmm. uh and they've and, and they're essentially beating it out of every other part of the, i mean itunes still exists right and I, I think it's it's got huge name recognition it's their most popular product 
there's no reason to get rid of it. I think I think the idea what Apple's really moving away from isn't the isn't the letter I. It's the idea that every Apple product is is badged with an I because the feeling there is Apple is such a strong brand that it's more powerful to call something Apple TV than iTV, and I think they're they're right about sure. that. But I think the iPhone is the exception to that proves the rule. The iPhone is is at this point the the root of it because the iPad or the iPod is, is floating away into history. Um, so I think it's very unlikely that this will happen. Could it happen? Sure. It could happen at any point. Apple's doing all sorts of things that change things up, but I have a hard time seeing how all of their brand investment in iPhone and iPad and iOS is benefited by being Apple phone and Apple pad and Apple OS. So, uh, I think not. I mean, when I say this, like, I think many people believe that I feel it's going to happen almost Im- imminently. I don't think that. Like I'm saying that the changeover after 10 years could be a point where you would do it, but I don't think they will do it. I think that I agree. when they do change this name, in my opinion, it won't be Apple Phone because it will be the product that replaces it. And I don't think it will be called something phone anymore. Like, and I'm thinking okay. this is a long time in the future. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't think that just one day they have the next iPhone and then that next iPhone is called Apple phone. I just think that like th- that this name won't last forever. Okay. It, well, it, we, we agree. We agree on that. We agree on that. I, I, I would buy into that, which is what you're saying is the iPhone won't ever change its name to Apple phone, but one day there will not be an iPhone. Yeah. And I think it will be. I don't even think we'll call it a phone anymore. Like this is this sure. is maybe five years away, but I think that the, I the iPhone name that name the i name will die at some point. I <laughs> I come up will die. Not me. The not I, you personally. No, uh, I never will. Um, the iPhone, iPad, iOS. That is going to go away and i think it will be replaced with something most likely sure. apple something uh but who knows I, I think yeah i think that's in the distant future and uh in an outline in the chat room wants to know if upgrade will still be running in the 2020s i think we've got to right we've got to see the car thing through i have no sure. reason of wanting to close the show now. and i think about this sometimes like why why would this show ever end and i look at something like mac break weekly which has been going for what, five years now I'm never letting you go, Jason. We'll see. I mean, it would it would be. Mike. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see, Mike. You, the future is promised to no. No, I, I, you know, I've said it before. I would prefer to be doing what I'm doing now for the rest of my career. I think the only thing that would preclude this is if I ended up um, deciding to not be an independent worker anymore and work for somebody who wanted all of my, you know, all of my time and precluded me from from doing podcasting or tech podcasting or something like that. But that's not the plan. That's nope. not that's not my intent Probably at the all. Same for me as well. I, I want to provide some very important follow up. Matt Break Weekly is ten years old in now. Like what yeah. this week? Yeah, this honestly this Friday <laughs> is Matt Break Weekly's tenth anniversary. So I just want to say to congratulations to the, the hosts of Matt Break Weekly. Yeah. One of my very first podcasts. Do you remember when that guy Merlin Mann was on Mac Break Weekly? I do remember that. I remember uh, we did some, I, I was in some videos that were the MacBreak videos. I remember those fondly. The uh, the HD videos, which my yeah. computer could barely play. Yep, those, those are the ones. Beautiful times. 
congratulations to uh, to, to Leo and uh, to the current hosts of MacBreak Weekly. I think Leo's probably the only one. I know Andy came on relatively soon, and he's been there most of the time. And now uh, Renee has joined the ranks. And I know you've been on the show a bunch of times. I was so happy when I was on the show that, that time. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to uh, MacBreak Weekly. And, and I look forward to, uh, in about eight years' time, when people say that about us, Jason. Ah, very nice. Here. When we were recording car casts every week. Sure, the Apple Car will be a fantastic podcast studio. Mm-hmm. Which just sounds isolated. It, it'll have yeah, it'll have sound isolation and noise canceling, and, and they'll be electric, audio inputs. so they'll be really quiet anyway. It, exactly, and uh, and a fast internet connection, and we will just be uh, able to talk and and use our arms to gesticulate and things like that because. Um, the uh, car is driving itself anyway, so and we're we'll just probably talking. be broadcasting in VR then anyway. So, right, it'll be a mobile uh, VR video studio uh, as we travel in our in our um, silk jackets and navy jumpsuits, which will be the fashion at the time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. If you'd like to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 101. If you have any questions, follow up or anything like that for us, always remember to use the hashtag AskUpgrade because it, we find it all, we collect it up, and we answer your questions every single week. Thanks again to our sponsors, the great folk over at Hover, the lovely people at Mac Weldon and Eero. Thank you so much for Jason, to you for joining me as you do every time and even when I'm not here, you're always here you're always here Jason and I appreciate that. Uh, Jason is also always at sixcolors.com and he's on Twitter, he's at Snell, and he hosts many other shows at The Incomparable and a selection at Relay FM as well including the newly launched Free Agents with uh, David Sparks, with Max Sparky um, thank you uh, for listening. As always, I am Matt Dynamike. I am YKE. We do record this show live. Um, you should head over to relay.fm slash live. We have a schedule page there, so you can come and hang out in the chat room if you so desire. We'll be back next week. We'll be live and in person next week as we yes, celebrate we will. Relay FM's but second until then, anniversary. Goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye, Mike Hurley. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. <laughs> <laughs>